Good afternoon, everyone. Um, welcome to today's Agency Phonics podcast, episode 67. I'm taking the reins off Pete and Spencer for this episode. For those who don't know me, I lead M&A for Cactus and we help agencies with growth and exit. And um, today I'm very excited to have Malenga Agli here, the CEO and founder of Growth Curb. And we're here to hear a bit more about his journey building his agency, Growth Curb. Also talk about what growth marketing is or what it should be for agencies. And, uh, and also some questions around uh, the advertising industry and, and the landscape. So um, welcome, Malenga. Hi, Mark. Um, before yeah. we start, yeah, nice, nice to see you. Before we get started, just a reminder, we have recently launched the audiobook version of Agencynomics on Amazon, Audible and Apple Books. So if you haven't read it yet, uh, pick up a copy, uh, just search Agencynomics. Um, and, and a huge thank you to our sponsors, Sante Group, uh, who sponsor our, our community. Um, and without their help, we wouldn't be able to do half of what we do. Um, and if your agency is thinking about your people or any health or well-being cover, lifestyle or benefits choices, then speak to them first, either at NugentSante.com or message David Booth in the community. So on with the podcast. Um, so Malenga, tell us a bit more about your background um, and your journey to building uh, Growth Curb to what it is today. I think you're in your fifth or sixth, sixth year of, of your journey. Exactly right. It's our sixth year uh, now, which is sounds like a very long time. Um, but in terms of growth and getting into growth curves, a, a weird story, I guess. Um, I graduated university um, from a digital animation and visual effects degree. So I was doing CGI um, and I wanted to kind of make Pixar movies, really. Uh, so I kind of studied in, in that area and then graduated in, in the financial crisis of 2008. Um, and ended up getting into an agency via a graduate scheme. So I joined um, one of the big American agencies that had a, an office over here, um, FCB, Draft FCB. Um, and I, yeah, joined as a graduate and was their first um, digital hire, really, um, into kind of um, marketing. Uh, so, yeah. What, what did this mean then at the very <laughs> beginning? I meant emails and banners. <laughs> So it wasn't it wasn't super advanced, but it was the first steps of um, advertising branching out into the to the internet. I guess um, in the modern context, of course, you know, there had always been ads, uh, you know, as far back as the nineties. But um, yeah, so got involved in in that kind of stuff. Kind of graduated onto kind of integrated uh, sites and more complicated applications um, and digital campaigns as we know it today worked my way up the ranks ended up kind of doing the rounds of various different agencies and ended up heading up digital for one of the big agencies in london and whilst there actually someone that was on my team um, kind of introduced me into the world of startups um, and then i went off on a whole journey building a banking business um, as the as the key growth hire in that business um, which was very successful uh, ended up exiting my share of that to PayPal, wow. and then then moved on to found Growth Curve. The key thing I was thinking in my mind was I'd become quite obsessed with growth marketing and the idea of what growth marketing was. I was following really the Silicon Valley mindset at that point, um, coming out of Silicon Valley, the lean startup methodology, um, and kind of test driven, product driven growth. And I used that very successfully to grow this banking business. And the, the point of Growth Curve was to do that for as many other interesting startups as possible. 
and then you i guess you applied a lot of your techniques onto growing your own agency but yeah how did how did the first five years how did how did that journey evolve in terms of how did you decide to build the business from from the from the sort of ground ground upwards yeah great question um initially when um, when when growth curve started, we were kind of trying to be all things um, because really, when you think about growth, especially if you're within um, a tech business yourself, you have to cover a, a very very broad range of areas to get the business from zero to one. Um, and you know, we tried to do all of it at the start of growth curve. Um, and what I quickly realized actually is that some decisions need to be pre baked for early stage businesses, and we needed to reduce the offering or at least package the offering more clearly so that there were easy things that startups could take and run with and get clear value quite quickly. Um, so then over the five years, what we ended up doing is forming roots, basically, based on our knowledge, based on our experience of what had worked and hadn't worked, so that basically our clients could come take one of these routes and get off going with growth very quickly without having to go through complicated, undefined projects. So, so growth curve today. What, how, how is it different from other advertising or agency models? Um, what do you do for your clients? What kind of clients do you work with? Yeah, so at Growth Curve, we're we're really focused on um, taking clients, startups from from zero to one. So that's kind of our USP. Rather than just handling a project for you or a campaign, we're really the partner that you come through to grow overall in your business. Um, we have a range of services baked around that. So we're kind of a one stop shop for growth. We can also take you through stages. So we take businesses from zero to one. And then if you're a scale up, we can take you from one to 10. So um, it's very, very different to approaching a creative agency who might just come up with your creative ideas for campaigns or a PPC agency that might just be delivering traffic. We are kind of doing a little segment vertical slice of all these areas to get your business growing um, at a compound level, basically. And this is very this is top line revenue sales growth, is it, or is this you know audience or kind of normal marketing metrics? What what is? So usually, usually it's customer growth, um, but increasingly that's you know that directly relates to revenue. If we're, what we're doing doesn't relate to revenue, then we're not going to be hired for very long. So it's customer growth, but also naturally the business is growing revenues alongside as well. Great. Um, so, yeah, the term growth marketing, it gets banded around a bit and I've sort of seen different versions of it. Um, but how do you consider growth marketing in terms of how it kind of how it's done properly and where is it? Where do other agencies kind of fail to deliver, um, you know, I guess a proper growth marketing service? Great question. Yeah. So so we see growth marketing at Growth Curve as building systems. That's the most important distinction from, I guess, just being a channel specialist or being, you know, an, an ad agency focused on a particular discipline. We're, we're engineering growth systems that kind of create and perpetuate customer growth. Um, the One way to think about it is like in the same way as a physicist kind of understands, you know, the foundational laws of the universe and can like engineer a spacecraft capable of withstanding like rapid acceleration or huge G-force, a growth marketer understands like the laws of the internet and human behavior and can engineer systems capable of rapid customer growth that can overcome churn and withstand scale. Um, so that's kind of the way we think about growth marketeers. You're kind of an engineer and you understand how to create these self-perpetuating systems that result in growth, um, customer growth. And I guess to, to do growth properly, um, the whole company needs to be involved. And that's a really important point um, where we see 
companies really succeed with growth is where that the business is actually structured around growth of key metrics in acquisition, activation, retention, referral, and revenue. So those are numbers that are spoken about by almost every department in the business from finance to um, customer support. And everybody understands um, why those metrics are important and why they result in growth. Um, so that's, that's uh, where we see it being most successful. And talking about your kind of services, if you kind of break them down into kind of creative, kind of paid media and, and the kind of data-driven insight, uh, optimization element testing. Um, yeah, tell me a bit more about the creative process for you. And I guess creative is such a broad set of services, but you you do everything from kind of translation through to video, through to design, through to games, through to apps. So you've got a a very kind of sophisticated, wide, wide ranging um, set of tools to help your clients. But yeah, if you could unpack it a little bit more about how, yeah. how you use them and when you use them. Yeah, uh, creative is is incredibly important and, and actually becoming more and more important um, as we go forward, especially with the kind of reduction in targeting capabilities. Um, creative is now like, a, you know, a hero thing for us. When I say we, we're designing systems, creative has to slot into those systems at every stage. So if we're finding a unique distribution mechanic that's going to go out and find people interested in fiction, we are going to have to create some creative collateral against that to tell that story. If we're going and we're building a bot that goes into Goodreads, what is the copy that's getting um, distributed? That's that's creative. What are the visuals that are going to be presented along with our messaging? Um, so at every stage, growth marketing has to consider creative and creative is a core component um, all the way through to then emails people receive, um, uh, push notifications, the dynamic experience on a landing page, the, you know, of course, the ad creative itself. There's, there's, you know, no end to the different touch points that we have to consider as growth marketers, um, and creative is involved throughout. And that means for us, we need to have capabilities that are um, multi-format and um, and actually multi-discipline. So not just flat visual design. We need to be able to execute video. We need to be able to execute audio. We need to be able to translate into multiple different languages for different markets. So we've kind of made creative. Our, our creative department actually is one of the fastest growing areas of our business because of this need to adapt to so many different um, channels, touch points and scenarios and customer stages. I was going to uh, come back to your team a bit later on and just talk about, you know, how you hire and, and what those skill sets are, because obviously you need, you know, multi-talented multidisciplinary teams and you know having that flex is always the biggest challenge for agencies but um to go back so you paid media and the way in which you kind of buy or uh, user acquisition how how is that different because often some growth marketers rely just on 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 google and 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 meta but obviously you know your your multi-channel approach is much more uh, wide-ranging so it'd be good to hear a little bit more about that yeah, yeah. The most important thing to call out here is that, you know, PPC alone is not growth marketing. It's, it's actually, you know, it couldn't be further from growth marketing. That's, that's merely one component, which is traffic, right? Um, and, and it's one distribution channel that you might use in your growth system. Um, we, we, when, when growth curve looks at a, a component of a system, for example, acquisition um, and traffic, 
we look at it a bit differently to do, to traditional PPC digital marketing agencies in that we immediately apply experimentation and hypotheses on how it can be um, driven forward and growth hacked. I hate that term, but I'm going to use it because I think everyone understands what I mean um, and pushed further than the standard. So we're, we're looking for to exploit um, temporary opportunities in a channel because of a new feature or a new um, algorithmic change to, to boost growth. And we're, we're going to use that kind of as an opportunity to, to um, accelerate growth on our paid channels. We're also going to be more technical in that we're going to maybe experiment more with the dynamic feed element that channels offer in um, in Facebook. For example, we do a lot with hacking the e-commerce feed um, and trying out different experiments within that. It's, it's not a point and click deploy a campaign, select target and let it run kind of process at growth curve. It's a lot more experiment driven. It's a lot more technical. It's a lot more scientific. Um, and it has to mesh well with the rest of the system that we've designed on the back end of that. Because again, remember, we're thinking pre-click all the way through to post-click um, and, and what a customer is going to do at all stages um, when, when we, when we uh, run any activity. And what what are the kind of new channels that you're sort of seeing that are working? I guess be better than some of the legacy ones. You know, we know about the privacy changes that have affected Meta and uh, and Google. But yeah, how 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 have the sort of channels changed in terms of how spend is allocated for you? Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, just looking at like. Facebook and Google in general, they used to just have an absolute lock on the game, right? And I think this year is the first year that both together, they've dropped beneath 50% market share. So I think they're like something like 48% um, of all of all media buying goes through Facebook and Google now, which actually is quite a significant decline for them. And, and that's driven by some big changes in the market that, you know, have come from privacy um, and then other other more nuanced things such as Facebook's response to elections in the US and account banning and all these kind of things that have been happening at an increased rate. So people have been more likely now to give other channels a chance and look outside of those two um, big players. And what we're seeing is that diversification of paid channels is really on the rise. And there's some very, very interesting paid platforms springing up. Uh, Growth Cover on the Hulu program um, to actually advertise in the States on Hulu uh, on on-demand TV. It's going to be a very, very interesting channel for the early stage of kind of reaching and uh, awareness and building brands um, all the way through to Amazon ads, which have been an absolute juggernaut. We've done tons on Amazon ads. Um, and, you know, they've gone from 1 billion a year revenue on ad spend in 2016 to 38 billion in 2022. So absolutely um, surging ahead. Um, and I, I think other channels are also going to grow heavily this year for their ads businesses. Apple is going to grow 26%, Spotify 30%, and TikTok 36%. Um, TikTok is a whole world unto itself. So we're, of course, at Growth Curve, we actually have invested in building a TikTok studio um, and we're now we, we TikTok is a specialism unto itself, creatively and from a growth perspective, in terms of all the different network effect um, um, elements that are in that platform. Um, so, yeah, really, really interesting. And we're doing more and more of that um, in 2023.
Great. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with TikTok and the, in the US, it feels like there's, um, you know, issues with with their ownership being Chinese and um, and whether or not it's going to be blocked in the US. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that how that pans out this year. That's a really um, good. I don't think they'll. I don't think they will will be banned, but I think they're going to be regulated, and that regulation is going to slow their growth at some point when it's announced. And that is going to give other video centric channels, short form video channels, a chance. And I think what we'll see is that YouTube will be the winner there. I think YouTube is going to capitalize the most if TikTok is regulated. Um, and all of those things I mentioned about those weird kind of um, network effect mechanisms that TikTok have baked into their creative, like Stitch and, and all the other creative features, you know they can't be put back in the box. So YouTube will be releasing their own version of those kind of features and, and then capitalizing on that growth while TikTok is wounded. I eventually think TikTok will, will come back and then, um, you know, be on par again. And and the big topic around privacy has also been how um, how brands are trying to collect first party data and, and, and also building their own kind of walled gardens around uh, their data. So yeah, how, how, do, how do you, how do you help, your your clients uh, address that um and you know and and be ahead of the game i think um re- clients that are serious about growth which should be everybody are are having to invest in their own cdps so customer data platforms they're becoming a big part of the marketing stack um it used to be that you could just rely on the independent platforms to run attribution and it would be accurate enough where it wouldn't it would it wouldn't be sensible to undertake massive personal investment in your data platform and pipeline because you know the platforms were good enough now actually it's it's critically important that you have your own data and that you're using your own first party data to attribute and to check the validity of your your campaigns and um yeah so cdps are on the rise and they're a big part of the marketing stack now and there's a lot more early stage businesses that are are going self-built in that they're having their own kind of central databases and they're they're creating systems to validate that customers are converting from different channels. Um, and we have a, a number of those clients at Growth Curve as well. Great, great. And, and the third area, which you touched on before about experimentation, and um, I've sort of put data analytics into into that bucket just because we haven't talked about it. But yeah, how, how do you how do you how do you kind of what do you provide for your clients in, in that respect um, to kind of I guess optimize optimize their spend and, and and track results and performance? Yeah, so so testing and experimentation happens at absolutely every stage, and there are different tools which facilitate that depending on what you're doing, whether you're testing a landing page, whether you're doing pricing sensitivity inside your app product whether you're testing your emails. So tooling aside, what we have at Growth Curve is a a core culture of experimentation. So what our clients get when working with us is they get brought into that culture and then they also apply it to their own businesses, you know, outside of just even the marketing and growth function. Um, So they're, they're very used to us talking in hypotheses they're very used to scoring and prioritizing potential experiments and um, ultimately understanding why a particular experiment variant is a winner and on what basis. 
on what statistical significance and on what model? Is it Bayesian inference or is it another model? How reliable is this data and how much should we put behind rolling this up to production? So that's what we do at Growth Curve. And as a result, that means that when we move forward, when Growth Curve takes a step forward, we do it with an elevated level of confidence because we we know that the data is suggesting that this should be the right way to go be it with creative, be it with a landing page variant, being it with a, with a, with a pricing model moving from freemium to premium or um, you know, vice versa. We do that with an elevated sense of confidence because of that robust experiment framework. Great, great. Um, and, where, and where do you see when you kind of meet clients, you have an opportunity to kind of pitch on their business and you look at, look at um, what you can achieve for them? What, what are the kind of common issues with, with, for your clients before they kind of start working for you. Probably interesting to hear about their own kind of challenges, but also the the, the issues with the current advertising kind of agency model they've they've um, been been used used to in the past. That's a great that's such a great question. Um so first of all, you know, team allocation um is a big one. Uh, agency roster. I, I we see some clients who are maybe maybe relatively early, they've attempted to go out and recruit lots of different agencies for for every different discipline from aso to seo to sem to email to data and i'm you know i'm just looking at these agency retainers stacking up and i'm thinking you're going to run out of money before you before you before you've grown so you know again that is a big change when when clients come to growth curve is they they almost go oh you can do you can do all of this or what we need of all these in one place and they, they just have a sense of relief on them uh, so that's one of the the, the big um, differences. And again, I would highlight the risk to early stage businesses of, of recruiting tons of different agencies. I would also highlight the risk of trying to build um, a team of, of specialists under each of those disciplines yourself in-house in an early stage um, setup, because recruitment is an incredibly long and arduous, expensive and slow process. Um, and actually players like Growth Curve are there to take that that um that stress completely away and get you to you know to value much faster so they're, they're two big ways that we see um clients are in trouble before they've even come to growth curve and then finally if for example they have managed to run some activity there are some big areas where we see people kind of um under investing first of all uh clients fail to close the loop on stuff quite a lot so they might have invested heavily in an awareness campaign possibly outdoor possibly even TV or video. Um, and then they haven't, they've really underinvested in turning that awareness into demand um, by, by being smart about direct response, following up um, in the right way to their awareness activity. Um, and, you know, they might have failed to, um, they might have run direct response campaigns and then failed to harvest that demand properly by optimizing and experimenting to maximize conversion rate. From that activity so they might not at all be running any experimentation on landing pages or um or post-click um you know properties which is leaving so so much on the table um and then i guess under investing in keeping any clients that they have one so there won't be any retention activity going on um and there won't be any product driven growth um happening behind the scenes aligned with their customer needs or behavior to keep customers engaged 
Um, so they'll have a huge churn rate and they've been wasting money on um, clients just falling out the bottom of a leaky bucket. Um, and then maybe also not considering um, other, you know, their customer base as a distribution channel. So they've been acquiring customers and then just leaving them to sit there happy using the product, but not using them to go and get other customers. Um, and it's, it's so interesting because when I started in growth, referral schemes and growth was like synonymous. People just assumed that referral scheme was growth marketing. Obviously, we've all learned that it's much more than that. But given that growth and referral schemes were synonymous, it's so funny how few people actually execute on interesting referral schemes. Uh, beyond just incentivized member get member schemes where you know in, invite your friend and get 10 pounds and they're like yep we're doing growth but actually no um you know that's that's the very basic bare minimum you can do in that area what else could you be doing which is more interesting for customers um which you know results in them bringing other people in yeah great so i mean that's yeah i can see the huge benefit to clients if you've got um you know a one-stop shop for all of that in terms of cost and uh, the coordination and time it must be must be significant um and going on to you talking about your team and the skill sets needed and it's very difficult to kind of hire and find those talent i mean how, how do you how do you find this talent and to what extent do you have to train and and what are those kind of key skills that uh, are able to see the bigger picture around growth marketing from a creative media and and technical perspective yeah so um so first off growth marketing you you can't do growth marketing as a first job um and that's a weird thing to say but what i mean by that is you almost have you graduate into growth marketing after kind of completing some other relevant skill so typically you've been in product management or you've been an engineer, full stack engineer, or you've been a performance marketing manager. They are three kind of base careers, which make for a good foundation for growth marketing. Um, Growth marketing, to be a good growth marketer, you have to have gone through those scenarios and understood um, how all of those those things work. And then you kind of bring it together in growth marketing for your second stage career, where you're very effective at understanding how things grow. So we typically like to hire product managers, full stack engineers, or performance marketing managers that have some have some experience behind them. And then we broaden them out to become growth marketing managers. Um, that's that's the preference. More, more recently, we're actually starting to try to create um, growth marketeers um, from, from junior graduates and training them all the way through. But that does come with a lot of um, having to expose them to real scenarios and, and projects so they build up that experience. Um, yeah. And where, where, do, where do you find your talent from? I mean, you know, the pool in the UK, I mean, there's probably, you know, there's, there's a, a wider talent pool. And to what extent do you, you know, hire people permanently versus, you know, freelancers? Yeah, so we we are very much our, our twenty twenty three strategy and beyond is to is to build our permanent team. So we're investing very heavily in hiring that those resources into Growth Curve so that clients can come to us for for that talent. Um, in terms of where we we get talent from, as I mentioned, like it could be anywhere. You could be an engineer in a bank, um, but you've been interested in in testing. You could be working client side, but be a product manager for one of their app products. Um, you could you could come from anywhere, and you know we're looking for people that want that change, 
and to be exposed to many different scenarios. So at Growth Curve, we work on everything from new banking businesses to dating apps to e-commerce apps. And for some people, that's like food for their mind. They, they love flipping between different industries, but applying that same growth thinking. Um, and so that's kind of how we find talent and what they get out of it. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of answering your question. Mm. No, I was thinking geographically as well. I mean, is everyone based in London or are they? No. So, yeah, no. So increasingly, um, increasingly, no, people are based outside of, of the UK. Um, and there are there are obviously centres in the world where people have gravitated towards certain things. Like there are, you know, great engineers in particular regions. There are great creatives, you know, creatives in particular regions, mainly due to university education or um, resources in that country. So we really tap into that at Growth Curve um, and, and definitely bring that into our, our network. And again, as we're growing now, 2023 and beyond, we're looking at physical pref- presence in markets outside the UK that can house that talent on a permanent basis, again, giving our clients access to that. So when you come to Growth Curve, you could be a Berlin-based client and we could be working with, you could be working with Growth Curve talent in Canada, right? You could, and it doesn't really matter where people are, you're getting the best of the world's talent under our umbrella. Yeah, that's great. And and in terms of uh, sort of tech enablement, I mean, obviously you're, you've got a technical background, you're kind of self-taught um, software engineer, um yeah there's so many tech solutions out there there's so so many um things that automate or or or, or create kind of uh, extra layers of data yeah how, how do you how do you approach and sort of integrate into your processes these you know ever ever evolving landscape of kind of technology solutions to to help your clients yeah um it's it's exhausting and i would say that there are a lot of tools that are created that are not genuinely adding value so you have to be able to separate the noise um you know value from the noise and you know how we do that is we're always scanning interesting new businesses and seeing what their stacks are and in a way other really smart early stage businesses have had to do a lot of decision making and we kind of leverage off the back of that so things like product hunt um and um, resources like that where you see something growing an interesting new uh product then you you look into how what, what tooling they're using behind the scenes um that can help there are there are sites which break down people's stack and um, we use that a lot to understand what stacks different people are using for their data for their marketing for their tracking and then we then we see a pattern forming amongst in, like several interesting businesses all using a similar solution we then we then put it on our radar and make a decision to start investigating it. And then it will progress through certain stages until a, a point at which we at Growth Curve might adopt it. So it's kind of, it, there, there is actually kind of a, a, a nice filtering process for, for tooling becoming part of, of our kind of arsenal, um, which goes like that. It's kind of, it's out there in the ether, gets a bit closer, comes onto our radar and then gets qualified and, and assessed. But yeah, things like podcast, product hunt, um, and as I, as I mentioned, there's various um, pack, uh, sites that help you understand people's stack or how we kind of work out what's what's rising in in terms of technology. And and are you are you relying on external tools and and solutions, or do you build any proprietary technology or software? Yeah, so of course we use the industry standard tooling um, 
for you know a, a number of areas like attribution um but we have also got a, a, actually a range of tools that we've built at growth curve which is part of our kind of growth curve platform which we've engineered entirely from scratch ourselves we're we're actually looking to do much much more of that as we progress because one because it solves a specific need that we've seen as a company and helps us deliver our services and value for our customers much faster um two we know growth curve was always meant to be partially platform um you know part people part platform and and i think that's a uh, a strength that we have um at growth curve so something that we're going to continue investing in great great thank you and 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 on to this year and the outlook i mean it's difficult not to read the newspapers and feel depressed um how are you how are you feeling about this year and inflation and uh, a potential recession and you know how how you i guess how are you helping your clients navigate that at the same time yeah i mean I started my career in a, in a recession and um, just the one positive thing that comes out of these difficult economic times is that, you know, people are forced to innovate and there's, there's a lot of new companies that are created during times like this um, and a lot of opportunity that does open up in the technology sphere. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes and what new companies that growth curve is going to be helping to grow um as a result of of you know the the the, the smart talent that are coming out of uh the tech layoffs and, and all the ideas that they've been waiting to build that they will now be building 2023 and beyond so you know being in in, in growth curve is an exciting time because we get exposed to all of that and we can already see the uptick in entrepreneurs reaching out with ideas directly proportional to the tech redundancy so um yeah. i think that one positive thing that innovation is going to surge forward as a result. Yeah, it's interesting seeing the news of the tech tech layoffs. I don't necessarily feel it's a reflection on the directly related to the recession. It's just they overhired and and have to be seen to improve their share price to be doing something about it, which obviously just by improving their margins and managing their business more tightly. But um, yeah, I hope it's not in kind of direct response to um, what might might or might not be coming. Well, I think, I think it could be if you think about, you know, consumer pressure on spending and people being a bit more reserved, you know, there are there are going to be services and tech subscriptions that are going to suffer as, as a result. People are not going to put their hands in their pocket as freely as they did before. And that does have a knock on effect. And I think smart companies looking forward have, you know, have predicted that there's going to be a dip in, in spend and as a result have acted to shrink their their overheads and staff costs so i do think there is a connection there um uh yeah and there's always the you know opinion about you know brands should continue to to build or or create awareness and um continue with spend so are, are you are you of that thought or how how should they check i mean they've obviously got to reduce spend in line with um demand but yeah how, how do they do it in a in a smart way without um, you know, losing losing their kind of share of voice. A hundred. Yeah, you can't you can't afford to go quiet in in um, bad economic times as as a business. You cannot. You have to continue um, trying to pursue growth and trying to make noise. I think again, you get more inventive. You get smarter with uh, non standard forms of distribution. Um, and again, that can that can be stuff that you engineer. We're launching a banking business in the US at the moment. Um, it's a really new challenger banking business targeting the millennial segment. 
So we have had to be really, really smart with, we've actually created a new member, get member distribution mechanic for them, which is, which is engineered. So it's a piece of software essentially that helps this all happen. Um, and that for them is a, is a great way of reaching their customer base. So I think, again, being smart like that and thinking of other ways other than just direct paid spend where you can reach your audience, communicate with them during these difficult times is um, is smart. Mm, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, from an agency perspective, we, we're, we're Cactus Help agencies, consider their business plans around the now, the next and the future. Um, you know, there's always got to be one one eye ahead. You know, we've we've talked about Web three at various events, and it's it's probably been overtaken in um, reputation by AI. And and we can talk about um, Chat uh, GPT in a bit. But um, yeah, what what do you see the kind of new revenue streams and opportunities for agencies this year and and you know and next? I guess. Um, I love it at the moment. I mean, I you know, AI at Growth Curve is is like a, you know, a, a fantastical new area that we're, we're diving into headfirst. Um, and I think that is one of the major changes that's coming, of, of course, in 2023 to everything that we, we offer as agencies um, and all of the creative work that brands put out um, is going to be a massive feature of, of, of this year. So I guess, you, you know, you can't shy away from, away from innovation like that that's happening. Um, you've got you've to really think about how to, to leverage it as a tool. Um, so I think AI is going to be a massive component um, going forward. And it, the way it's changing things at the moment directly is, of course, creative. So that's been the first area because it's the one that um, is a nat naturally the, the easiest entry point. So visuals and copy, chat GPT on copy, Dali, Midjourney, um, and, and other tools on um on the on the visual side. And it's actually it's actually shocking how um how detailed and how amazing this visual creative is. We use Midjourney to create um CGI scenes, characters, backgrounds, concepts, even landing page designs and concepts can be created by these tools in in seconds in 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 uh and based on machine learning models that kind of get you further down the line of something that works than um you know several iterations of humans so you know it's it's a, it's a time saving component that you can pass on to your clients saving them money um and hopefully getting results faster mm. And and you know, hearing lots of sort of anecdotes around how um, Chat GPT can write code in seconds as well, which is kind of fascinating. So it doesn't feel like any there isn't any part of the kind of marketing and digital world that isn't going to be uh, massively disrupted. So um, I wonder I wonder what the role of developers will evolve into if 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 AI is able to do um, you know ten percent of what it feels like it's doing already in the future. Um, I mean, it's it's scary when you think about like it. It's the next that's scary right now. I guess from a code perspective, we use it to clean up code. So we might really quickly write some bizarre idea that we've had. It gets engineered, written down, and then you know AI is very good at just tidying it up. So reducing it down from a long spaghetti code into a nice tidy, clean thing by kind of removing anything that doesn't need to be there. What it can't do is um, just come up with a beautifully creative piece of code um, 
just by itself from scratch that does exactly what you want it to do it's not there yet um when it can do that that's when we all need to be very very frightened uh, we're in term terminator territory um so i think it's it's more of a tool at the at the moment and there's again at, at growth curve we're we're working out every day what it can do well from what it can't um yeah yeah, and, and that's, you know, we're already, it's already here now. And, I you know, and we're talking now, next and future. So I'm, I'm kind of lost where to go to in the future, <laughs> given that um, this has crept up so quickly. So I don't know if you have any predictions for the future beyond, you know, what, what AI's uh, capabilities yeah. like. I think, I think finally, finally, okay, my, my big future prediction is that AI at the moment is screen-based, right? So we're, we're typing things, we're getting screen-based content back. We saw a video or a video got shared today in the Growth Curve chat from Boston Dynamics. Everyone knows the name, but they did uh, a robot, humanoid robot, robot helping on a construction site. And I don't know if you've seen this video, but it is terrifying. Terrifyingly good from a robotics perspective. My prediction is that AI makes it out of the screen into robotics, physical robotics, and and from a um, from an everyday perspective. So we will see more uh, waiter assistants that are robot robots. We'll see um, physical people on the street, um, parking attendants, giving tickets, and there'll be robots. So it will, that will, that's my big um, prediction for the next jump in AI, and it's going to be physical. Um, and, yeah, we're going to see a lot more of that. Great. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't know to what extent it can, you know, the evil that can be caused by AI, but, you know, there are a lot of exciting, positive developments that are coming out that I, I'm trying to be excited, not scared anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, I guess what, what is your kind of top piece of advice to give agency founders? You know, we help help uh, agency founders on their kind of journey at the beginning. Um, what, what they should be thinking about if they're kind of, you know, starting out building an agency um, and then, you know, trying, trying to scale it in, in, in the context of what we've discussed. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's really important to have a niche focus. So growth curve is a growth marketing agency for tech uh, businesses and we're people and platform combined. So that's our area. That's where we win and we know what we do. Um, it's very easy for us to position ourselves in a market. We know who our competitors are. And we know the businesses that we can serve. I I wouldn't want anyone to start a digital marketing agency, and that was the only thing that they had. Just a digital marketing agency. You should have a specialism, um, and you know whether you're an app, uh, you know app store optimization team, or you're a retention team. Um, it's very important to be focused. And also when you're when you are focused in that way, clients see where you where you fit in, um, and. Uh, you know, you don't have to spend as long describing what you do. And I think it's it's difficult to say that you do all um, all aspects. Um, so, yeah, that's one one big piece of advice, I guess. And then I think think about how you package your services for consumption. Um, try to make it as easy to understand as possible um, and avoid completely bespoke projects. Um, that sounds strange. We started to grow really fast at Growth Curve when we stepped away from completely bespoke um, offerings and we moved into these, um, like I said, pre-baked routes, which clients could pick up and run with. Um, and I think that's a that's a big thing that I'd advise. Mm. Oh, thank you, Melenga. That's really interesting. Um, 
And yeah, what I mean, does the future agency look? What What do you think the future agency looks like in terms of shape and and skill set? I think there's there's definitely you're seeing kind of brands doing a mixture of you know smaller small in house team tech tools and partners, and I guess there's going to be an evolution of how an agency will look like because you know just having an enormous agency with um, you know w- with such a fast moving kind of pace of technological change, there's it's going to have to be a bit more kind of fluid and agile, I feel, or you're going to have to be able to kind of train and, and skill up your teams in the right way. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to imagine what, what an agency is going to look like in five, 10 years. Yeah. Maybe the same. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're going to see more of what growth curve is doing. So you're going to see more agencies becoming platforms. Um, and that's going to be a trend that will continue. So agencies will develop their own services or, or, push a lot of their specialism into software that can be consumed faster and tooling that can be consumed faster. Let's just call it platforms. So um, agencies becoming platforms is a theme that I see over the next five years. I see client side businesses actually choosing not to to in-house as much other than having point people that are um, that are specialists in particular areas rather than whole departments and those point people then using Teams like Growth Curve to cover, you know, a range of areas. And I'm not saying that, you know, Growth Curve would cover every area. We would handle very much the growth. And then other businesses might be brought in for specific things like product development or pricing, et cetera. Um, so I think that's the way I see things going. A, a, a reduced amount of agencies um, managed by point people in-house. Um, but we're not going to have this massive spread of like, um, you know, a million agencies yeah thank you it's been really really interesting talking to you Malenga and um wishing you a very successful year and um no doubt we'll catch up soon um and yeah very interesting if you're interested to talk to me or one of the other members of the team at Cactus um you can get in touch and and the link to Malenga's um uh, website Growth Curb and you can get in touch with them via LinkedIn um and please please like and subscribe to our channel for future episodes and thank you again to sante for sponsoring the podcast and see you all very soon thanks again thanks for having me it's been really fun thanks guys and like and subscribe (laughs) cheers bye